Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. Today, it will be more teaching type. Um, pulpit, not preaching. I will read many scriptures and try to teach you the word of God. Because we talk about love, we want to know that our God is the loving God, and we want to look at the scripture together. So please listen attentively, because I can read many scripture today and teach you the heart of God. We need to understand. The heart of our God, and we should follow His way. We should have the same heart as God, because we represent Him on earth here. This teaching will be two weeks in a row. This week and next week. Who cares for the orphans, the widows, the poor, and the oppressed? Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to learn your word. We ask your Holy Spirit to impart the heart of God, our Father, into our heart, that we would think like Him. We will have the mind of Christ. We will have love, compassion, and mercy like You, Lord. We thank You so much that You inspired Your servant to write the Bible, so that we can read Your will. We can understand who You are, and we want to become more like You. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Today, we want to look at our responsibility of a believer regarding the orphans, the widows, the oppressed, and the poor, and the stranger. The Bible has so many things to say about this subject. Today, we will start from the Old Testament, and next week we will talk in the New Testament. And also all the promises that God record in the Bible regarding this subject. In the world, there are so many people who are helpless, poor, and unfairly treated by other people. Everywhere in America, in other foreign lands, we have seen so many fatherless and orphans all over the world. The widows. We're gonna look. In the scripture, what God thinks about these people. First of all, I like to read a few scripture that talk about the nature of God regarding this subject. I will start to read from the book of Psalm, chapter sixty-eight, verse five. It say of God, a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy. Habitation. Our God is the Father. He has the heart of a father, and He is the Father of the fatherless. Many family, the husband left or the husband died, and the mom have to raise kids by themselves. These kids have no father around them, and God say, "I am the Father of the fatherless." And at the same time, he said that I am a defender 
of the widows, the fatherless or the orphans, usually is mentioned in the scripture before the widows. Why? Because the orphans are totally helpless without other people help them. They are totally helpless. The widows are partially helpless, but still need help. Because as a single mom, or as a, a woman without husband who used to provide that woman need helps in society, in the church. That's why God say the fatherless first and followed by widows. Because both of them need help. In Psalm chapter 103, verse 6, the Bible say, The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. So many people in the world are oppressed. What does it mean, oppressed? It means they are treated unfairly. They are treated in a not honorable way. They are forgotten by the society. They suffer. They are oppressed by even people who have authority and power and money. The poor, the foreigner, the stranger. And you, when you read this scripture, you can see the passionate heart of God toward the helpless, toward the oppressed in society. And his number one concern about people in the world are these people. The fatherless, the orphans, the widows, the poor, and the helpless, the oppressed people. God wants to give fair treatment to them. God wants to take care of them. And we as believers, we should have the same heart as God. We should care for the fatherless, the orphans, the widows, the poor, and the oppressed. In Psalm chapter 140, verse 12. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. You can see the character of God here. Our God wants to maintain the cause of the uh, oppressed or the afflicted people. In another scripture, in Psalm chapter 72, verse 4, He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy and will break in pieces the oppressor. This scripture talk about God want to ordain the king or the leader of that generation. And this king must have the same heart as God is to show justice to the poor, save the children of the needy and break the pieces of the oppressor. Have you ever seen people who Take advantage of the poor people or needy people. Yes, people are very selfish and they take advantage of other people, especially the people who are helpless. They don't have any legal protection. They don't have any money to fight. They cannot hire a lawyer. God is their vindicator and their defender. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, as I say, today I'm going to read a lot of scripture, try to convince you that this is the will of God. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Generous what? Generous eye will be blessed. How many people want to be blessed by God? You need to have the eyes, the sensitive to the needies. For he gives his bread to the poor. When you are sensitive to the needy and you give food to the poor, God will bless you. 
you know, don't have the poverty mentality. I'm poor. I don't have enough. Actually, people in America are richer than a lot of people in the world. When you say you're poor, believe me, you are richer than a lot of people compared to a lot of people. You're still richer. So don't have a kind of self-pity mentality and cry. Oh, I don't have enough. No, you have enough. You have food on the table every day. Many people out there they don't have enough food to eat. So we need to have the mentality of God. What can I do to give food to the poor? Amen. Now we're gonna look at the scripture regarding the requirements of righteousness in the eyes of God. What is the standard of the word righteousness? Wearing the tie on the church on Sunday, wearing night clothes, go to church and sing hallelujah. What is the requirement or the standard of righteousness in the eyes of God? We're going to start from the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarch. First, we're going to look at the standard of God, and definitely the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. The book of Job unfolds God's standard of righteousness. We're going to read from Job chapter 29. Job himself gives a picture of his righteousness in the standard of God. And when we read this scripture, I believe we will be inspired to do the same thing. Look at Job chapter 29, and I will read from two versions. When the ear heard, then it blessed me, and when the eye saw, then it approved me. In other words, I had favor with people. Why? Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless, and him who had no helper. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Make the widows smile. Take care of the fatherless. Let's look at NLT, New Living Translation. And who heard me praised me. All who saw me spoke well of me. Me mean Job. Job said that this is what I did and make people really praise my life. For I assisted the poor in their need and the orphans who required help. I helped those without hope, and they blessed me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Job expressed the standard of righteousness before the Lord. He said that this is his lifestyle. All the days of his life, he helped the needy, the poor, the fatherless, the widow. He looked for people. His eyes are sensitive to look for people who need help. In Job chapter twenty-nine, verse fourteen, now he talk about righteousness. We want to make sure we understand that righteousness is not ours. Righteousness is from God. God put His righteousness upon us. We all have the sinful nature. We all have selfish nature. We are selfish people by nature. We think about ourselves. That's why through Jesus Christ, He put His righteousness on us, clothed us, so that we can have the lifestyle of the standard of righteousness. Job understands this theology. He says in verse 14, "I put on righteousness, and it clothed me." My justice was like a robe and a diadem or turban. 
Again, verses 11 to 13 talk about taking care of the fatherless, the widow, the poor, the helpless. And now he say, I did all that thing because I have righteousness on me. The standard of righteousness is to take care of the widow, the poor, the fatherless, and the needy. When we come to God and receive his righteousness, our heart will be open to the heart of God. And we want to do the same thing. We want to have the same heart of God, the father of the fatherless. And let's continue to read in Job chapter 29, verses 15 to 17 in the New Living Translation. I serve as eyes for the blind. He helped the blind to walk. And feet for the lame. I was a father to the poor and assisted strangers who needed help. I broke the jaw of godless oppressors. Wow, he must have maybe five degree black belt, taekwondo. He broke the jaw of the oppressor. He plucked the victims from their teeth. Job want to help those who are, have been taken advantage of other people. Job loved to help the fatherless, the poor, and those who need help. His heart was so good. That's why God blessed him at the end of his life to have more children and more resources in his life. This man was the man that can say, I'm righteous in the eyes of God because he helped the poor. He helped the widow and the fatherless. And he even tried to fight for those who are being taken advantage by the oppressor, those who use power to take advantage of people. He's a good man, righteous man. Now we're going to look at Job chapter 31. Job chapter 31 also mentioned about the righteousness in his life. When I read, you need to understand this part of the scripture. He tried to say that he is righteous. Therefore, he did not do these things. What I'm going to read here in Job 31 is considered sin in the eyes of Job and in the eyes of God. And Job say, I would not do those things because I clothe with God righteousness. Let's start from verses 16 to 17 in Job 31. Are you okay? I read a lot of scripture to convince you. Okay. If I have kept the poor from their desire, or caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or eaten my morsel by myself, so that the fatherless could not eat of it. This is what he would not do. Let's look at NLT. Have I refused to help the poor? Have you refused to help the poor? Good question. Or crushed the hopes of widows? Have I been stingy with my food and refused to share it with orphans? Job say, I did not do this thing. I did not refuse to help the poor. I did not crush the hopes of widows. I did not practice being stingy with my food and declined to help other people. He shared his blessing, his food with people. Job considered all this behavior a sinful behavior. Job said, I did not practice those things. Look at verses 18 to 19 in Job chapter 31. I will read from two versions again. But from my youth, 
I reared him, the fatherless, as a father. And from my mother's womb, I guided the widow. If I have seen anything perished for lack of clothing, or any poor man without covering. In NLT say, No, from childhood, I have cared for orphans like a father. And all my life, I have cared for widows. Whenever I saw the homeless without clothes, and the needy with nothing to wear. Job say, he take care of the needy, the homeless, the stranger. He care for the orphans and the fatherless. And he did that since he was a young man, a boy. He care, his eyes are sensitive to the need of people. Then look at verse 20. Then he says, if his heart has not blessed me, and if he was not warm with the fleece of my sheep, and LT say, did they not praise me for providing wool, clothing to keep them warm? When he saw that people have no clothes, he take one of his sheep, his own sheep, sheared the hair, and then gave that person the wool to wear to keep it warm. Amen? We need to understand that that is the heart of God. God wants us to take care of those who don't have clothes, don't have food to eat, and we need to be like God. Job really gives us very big conviction here that this should be our lifestyle from now on. In verses 21 to 22, he goes on to say, If I have raised my hand against the fatherless, he did not do that. He said, If I did not do that, when I saw I had help in the gate, in the court, then let my arm fall from my shoulder. Let my arm be torn from the socket. What he tried to say is this. If I take advantage of the fatherless, the needy, or I decline to help people who are in need, I don't think I should have arm and hands. It should be cut off. Because he tried to say, God give me arms and hands not just to go out, to play golf, to shoot pool, and to play ping pong or to play tennis. God gives us arms not just to perform surgery, but God gives us arms and hands to extend our love to the poor and to the needy, to help those who need help. Otherwise, we don't need the arms and hands. That's what he tried to say. Very strong statement from Job. The Bible here challenges to be the kind of Christians who care for the widows, for the fatherless, for the poor and the needy. And we should act that way. That is the standard of righteousness in the eyes of God. And that's what it said in the book of Job. Now let's look at the Old Testament at the time of the law of Moses. Job was before the law of Moses. Now look at the law of Moses. We're going to go through the Bible from one generation to the next generation. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 to 10. Are you glad that you studied the Bible with me this morning? Luke chapter 19, 9 to 10. The Bible says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. Wow. This is a command 
that must be in the lifeline of the people of Israel in the generation of Moses on. We call the law of Moses. Because at that generation, most people work in an agricultural kind of job. They have the vineyard, they planted corns and all kinds of fruit. So the Bible says that when you harvest, don't take them all. Leave it on the edges of your land. When the fruit, the corn, or anything drop on the ground, the rice drop on the ground, don't pick them up. Why? Why God told that to them? Because he wants the stranger, he wants the widows and the fatherless to come in and pick those so that they can have food to eat as well. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 14, 28 and 29. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up with your gates. Every third year, the income of that year, beside the tithe to church, they have to put aside another tithe, another 10%, 20% that year, actually. 10% for the temple, another 10% for what? And the Levite, because he has no portion, no inheritance with you. I will continue to read. And the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, who are within your gates, within your cities, may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. The Lord your God. The Bible said the Lord your God wants you to set aside money, 10% every three years, to give to the Levites. The Levites have no portion of the land, so they cannot make money. They serve in the temple without salary. So God said, put the money to feed them. Have a celebration, cook meal. People come, come and eat. Help them financially. Every third year, you put 10% aside to help the widows, the fatherless. I like what the word of God say like this. In, I go back to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 10, one more time. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You notice that he say again and again, I am the Lord your God. What does it mean? He said, do this. And then he say, I am the Lord your God. Definitely it means, number one, this is my command. You have no if and or but. You have to do it. I am your Lord. You do what I say. I am your God. I am the owner of your life. But number two, what it means when he say, I am the Lord your God. It means this is who I am. I care for the widow. I myself care for the fatherless. I myself care for the stranger. Care for the needy, the poor, the helpless people, the oppressed in your land. Help them. Amen? That's the way I am. I am the Lord your God. Do like me. Go and help people. Who need help. Wow. So quiet in this room today. I believe a lot of you are repenting right now. God is caring for the stranger, the fatherless, the widows. And because of that, he put this in the law of Moses. So that his people who worship him will practice his character. 
in that generation, and we should do the same thing in our generation. The Lord our God cares for the fatherless, the widows, the hopeless people, the needy people. Now, go to the next generation. Job, Moses. Next, the prophets. Okay. Now we're going to look at what the prophets say. The next generation. I want to show you all this each generation what God spoke to them, so that you know that definitely this is the will of God. It's not happening in the Bible only one time and it disappear. It happened again and again to even the time of Jesus, the New Testament. When you study the Old Testament, the writings of the prophet, you will find that in conclusion, there are three kinds of sin that really, really, really provokes the wrath of God, make God very upset. The first sin is idolatry, worship idols. Really provokes him. Two, adultery or sexual immorality. The problem is that any society that worship idol tend to also practice adultery and sexual immorality at the same time. Why? Because spiritual adultery toward God to worship idol will lead the society to practice physical adultery. Any society that reject God, you see everywhere, people commit adultery. People do sexual immorality. And I'm concerned about America now because a lot of people reject God. And you can see now come in the law that sexual immorality is okay because they practice spiritual adultery toward God by worshiping money and their comfort lifestyle. But they don't care about God. But the third one, Idolatry, adultery, the third one, indifference to the poor, to the fatherless and the widow. Three things that provoke God seriously. If you take advantage of the widow, the poor, the fatherless, God takes it seriously. God's going to come and defend them. God's going to take care of it right away. This is serious. Indifference toward the needy and the fatherless. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 1. When you read from the first verse down, you can see that God was really correcting the people of Israel about those sins. But now come to verse 16 to 17. Watch and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Is this a command? He said, my people, stop doing wrong thing. Stop doing evil deeds. Stop taking advantage of other people. But defend the fatherless. Pray for the widow. Encourage the oppressed. Wow. In the list of sin that really provoke God, indifference toward the needy, the fatherless, and the widow is part of it, that he is very upset if you don't take care of those people. Look at verse 23 in Isaiah chapter 1. Your rulers are rebels, companions of thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. 
and the widow's case does not come before them. These people with authority did not care about the fatherless and about the widows. They just it's about all about money, about my comfort life. Everything is about me. They don't care about those who need help. That's why God was so upset with the people in that generation and asked Isaiah to write this thing. Failure to defend the fatherless is the same category as idolatry and adultery and sexual immorality in the eyes of God. Wow! Our church, wake up now. We wake up now. We never heard this message before. This is serious. Look at Isaiah chapter 11, prophecy regarding Jesus Christ. This is about Jesus. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Talking about Jesus here, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Even Jesus Himself delights in fearing, reverencing the Father, and He shall not judge by the sight of His eyes, nor decide by the hearing of His ears. In other words, He did not go by what He see or what He hear. He go by what the Holy Spirit tell Him. The truth come from heaven. People can be nice to you, talk nice, but they have a wrong attitude. So you don't go by what people say. You go by what the Spirit reveal to you. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor. Actually, NLT say, he give justice to the poor. Our Lord Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, he give justice to the poor. Whom is Jesus concerned about? He's concerned about the fatherless, the widow, the oppressed, and the poor. That is the heart of Jesus Christ while He was walking on earth. I come to realize now, when you look in our society and society around the world, many people around the world are not fairly treated. They are unjustly treated, taken advantage of by the rich, by the people who have authority, because human is selfish. And self-centered. It's about me. Whatever I can take advantage of people, I do it. And I don't care whether they are oppressed or not. I'm gonna take advantage of them. And this is the nature of human being on earth. Do you know that you can be Pentecostal, but very selfish? Do you know that you can speak in tongues, but very self-centered and concerned only about yourself and never share with the poor or with anybody? You can speak in tongue. You can roll on the floor, and you can have being drunk in the Holy Spirit. But you get up. You never help any widow and the fatherless, and you don't even care. You walk by them. You don't even look at them. Can it be? Yes. Who so quiet in this room? You can speak in tongue every day. You can quote the scripture. You can preach to people, but you don't even care. That that poor man has no food to eat, that widows are struggling paying rent, and you don't even care. Isaiah fifty-eight verse six on, six to seven. This is the key to the continuing revival in the land. 
talking about fasting. How many people believe in fasting? I believe in fasting. Fasting food, you abstain from drinking and eating to seek the Lord. But there is more to the fasting than what you think. Actually, example for me, fasting food is not a big deal because I will not eat for the whole day and no problem. That's what I was trained to be a neurosurgeon. I can operate all day without food and I'm still fine. So food is not a big deal for me. And some of you are like that. Food is not a big deal. Some of you are, but for some of us, playing golf is a big deal. Some of us watching TV is a big deal. Some of us playing game, having fun is a big deal. So fasting is not only about food. Fasting, what you like, so that you can have time and money to help the poor and the needy. You abstain from drinking coke for a few weeks, so you can use that money to help the fatherless in Thailand. Look at what the Bible say. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to lose the chains of injustice? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burden, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked. That you cover him, and not hide yourself from their own flesh. Everyone say, "Hide myself from my own flesh." I find out that the word "suburb" come from the word "suburbia." The word "suburbia" means refusal to identify yourself with your people. This happened in America. When the poor move in the central part of the city, maybe have skin color or poor have no good job, what happened? The center of the city full of the poor, but the rich people. I don't want to identify with you. They move out to the suburb of the city, and me, we are rich. You are poor. Stay in the central part of the city. So we call suburb suburbia. Mean you separate yourself from the people around you, the same people in the same nation, walking on the same street. You reject those people. You are not sensitive to their need. You hide yourself from your own flesh, from the same people, have the same appearance. You don't want to hear that they need anything. You shut your ear off. You don't want to get involved with it because you are selfish. Suburb, suburbia, separate yourself from other people. The Bible continues to say in verses seven to nine. You know I love you. That's why I teach this scripture. It's for me too. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Suburbia, hide yourself from your relative, from your friend, from people in your city. Then your light shall break forth. Okay, what happened? This is a promise of God. If you fast. Some food. You fast your time to give to help. Go on the February 24 to feed the poor. You maybe quit eating steak and give that 15 dollars to the orphan in Thailand. Or you see some orphan in our church. You see some widows in our church, and you say, "I'm going to take you out for dinner tonight. I'm going to take you to vacation with me." You fast for them. 
What happened? This is a promise of God. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. How many people want to be healed quickly? When you get sick, heal quickly. What do you do? Help the oppressed, feed the poor, taking care of the fatherless, take care of those who have been, have been oppressed. Look around, be sensitive to people around you who need help, offer your help, fast your sleeping time, drive out to help somebody. God say, I will bring healing very fast to you and your righteousness, again, righteousness, the standard of righteousness is to care for the needy, for the poor and for the widow. Shall go before you, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You can have special protection from God. Then you shall call. Then you pray. Is God going to ignore your prayer? No. The Lord will answer. If you want your prayer to get answered quickly, care for the poor. Help the needy. Feed the hungry. Look after the fatherless. Take care of the widows. You shall cry and I will say, here I am. Answer the prayer right away. Oh, I like that. This is the promise of God, the guarantee from God that if you live that kind of lifestyle, God will answer your prayer. God will protect you and heal you very quickly. Let's look at the last one in the Old Testament. And next time, next Sunday, don't run away, okay? If you run away, I will wait another Sunday and come back. I'll remember all of you who come today. Okay, today is the Old Testament. Now let's look at the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe that many believers are taught that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is sexual immorality and homosexuality. And that's why God touched them, sent fire to that city. Let me show you from the book of Ezekiel chapter 16. In that scripture, God compared Jerusalem with Sodom. And he mentioned clearly that what really provoked God to touch them is not sexual immorality. It's something else. Look at Ezekiel 16 verse 49. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. Fullness of food. So rich. The house have everything. Nice house to live. For pride. Abundance of idleness. I'm going to enjoy my life. It's about me, 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 me. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. This scripture, let me read one more time. This scripture represents the condition of our contemporary society right now. At this point. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. Selfishness, pride, self-indulgence, indifference to the poor. Me, 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 pleasing my flesh. Abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. This is what made God was so upset with them and burned that city. My dear brother and sister, it's one thing to say, I never rob a bank. 
I never commit adultery. I never cheat the taxes. I never do anything wrong. But there's another thing that God say: Do you do good things? There's a sin of committing wrong thing, and the sin of omitting or refusing doing the right thing. If you refuse to help the poor, the needy, the fatherless, the widow, you are rejecting God's command throughout the Bible. Amen. Amen. Now the Old Testament clearly say we should not live a life that is full of selfishness. Me, me, me. Self-indulgence. Placing my flesh, indifference to other people's need. We need to repent if we have been doing that. And all these three things: selfishness, self-indulgence, and indifference to the needy and to the widow and the poor, are the root cause of every problem in the society today. Either adultery, homosexuality, anything. These three things are the root cause of our society today, and we need to repent of it as a church, as individuals, as family. We need to start to be sensitive to the need of other people, reach out, help them. A few days ago, I think two weeks ago, around 2 a.m., somebody knocked on my door, and I was a little bit scared. Somebody knock on my door at 2 a.m. I'm afraid that some robber come and <laughs> I and Pastor Da woke up and said, "Should we go to the to the door to look who that is?" I have to admit I'm scared because I don't have a gun in my house. I have no gun, but we decided we pray and God said, "Go to the door." We opened the door and we met an American lady, maybe 65 years old. She said that. She is so cold. She has no blanket. She sleep at the church next door. Can you help me? Thank God, Pastor Da ran in, picked up one of the best beautiful blanket that I like. <laughs> It's gone now. And she gave to her. My dear brother and sister, I believe God tested us. To see whether we're going to practice this or not, give blanket and clothes to the poor, to the needy. Amen? Amen. How many people say I will put this into practice? How many people say from now on, when I walk into the church, I walk into my office and society, I will be more sensitive to the needy, to the fatherless, to the widows, to the oppressed? I will stand up to defend. Those who have been taken advantage of. Most lawyer, I, this is in, maybe in my spirit because I think I have God in me. Most lawyer in this city like to refer patient to me. Not because I'm a good surgeon, but I tell you the truth. They all tell me you are somebody who will speak in front of the deposition and you really stand for the justice of your patient. And every time we win the case, because the way you speak, you so convicted that my patients need help, and they like my deposition. 
Because I love justice. I don't want the company or somebody else really abuse my patient. They need to have finances to pay for their surgery for hospital bill. They need to have it because they got into car accident. Somebody hurt them. Somebody needs to stand up for the justice. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So from now on, we have in the church so many widows, so many fatherless in here. Let's start in our church too. God opened the door for us to reach out to Thai orphans. We cannot help the whole world because we have limited resources. We help those that God opened the door for us. Amen. The needy in the church, don't turn your back away when they need help. Amen. Amen. Next time we're going to come back and look at the New Testament together. Amen? Amen. So today we just emphasize the Old Testament. Hallelujah. How many people say, I receive it? I I will do it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's stand up and let us pray together. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, to teach your church, your people in this house, in this generation, to understand the heart of God. Lord, if we have been indifferent to the needy, to the fatherless and to the widow, the poor, the oppressed, the strangers, the foreigner, Lord, we repent. We ask you for forgiveness. Lord, we want to raise the standard and the requirements of righteousness in our life, Lord. We want to do what you say in the Bible. We want to follow what Job say. What Isaiah chapter 1 warn us, Lord. And we believe your promise shall be fulfilled. You shall answer our prayer. You shall take care of our health. We will be healed. We will have your protection. We don't want to be the society of Sodom Gomorrah. Selfishness. Self-indulgence, pride, and indifference to the needy. We want to be the church that prepares ourselves to be the bride of Christ, ready to meet the groom who has the heart for the widow, the oppressed, the fatherless. We want to be like you, Lord. Help us to be more sensitive now. We don't want to practice suburbia. We don't want to refuse to identify ourselves with others, help others, reject others. Just keep our eyes on ourselves. Me, me, me. But we want our eyes to look at the people around us. When we see the need, we jump in and help. When we see the hungry, we go out and buy grocery and food for them. When we see the fatherless, you will hug that kid. Love. Take care of that kid, Lord. We thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, we want to be doers of your word. We don't want to just decorate our brain with the scriptures. We want to practice what we learn, Father. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. We trust that this message is ministered to you. 
If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. I'm so thirsty.